Thank you for downloading this message from Pastor Ryan today. We believe you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. He is returning. He came to this earth through the virgin womb of Mary. He came with a plan and a purpose to redeem and make us whole. We gather every Sunday, sometimes on Wednesday, and we claim we celebrate him. You know what's interesting to me? Is most of us know him historically. We know about him through what we've been told. How many's been told about him? How many's been to Sunday school? Maybe you've grew up in church and you you grew up in the in the shadow of the story of Easter. Maybe you've been to a Good Friday service where they talked about the sacrifice of the cross. Maybe you've been introduced to the cross and the brutality of what it was. Maybe your Good Friday service left you wondering why a man would do what he did. Maybe a Good Friday service introduced you to nails that pierced his hands and nails that pierced his feet, but yet you never understood why a man would do such a thing as that. Why would a man die? Why would a man die? And why was his death any different than any other death? Because many were crucified. Many for their transgressions. Many for their, for their ways and their behavior. Many because of what they got caught doing. But this man done nothing wrong. This man did him nothing wrong. His only claim was that he was the Son of God. Imagine the claim that he was the Son of God. See, the problem with me today is we can come to a Sunday like this and we can reflect and think about what Easter means to us. And the reality is many of us don't even understand Easter because it's really resurrection, not Easter. Far be it for me to be controversial on a Sunday like this, but I must. It's my nature. <laughs> Easter in its origin is pagan. You say, well, how did a cross and a resurrection become blended with paganism as we know it? Well, see, so you have to understand Easter came from the word Easter come from a goddess of fertility. The Roman Catholic Church decided that they needed to be a little more attractive to others. So they began to blend the paganistic fertility and the goddess of spring with the crucifixion and resurrection. Now, that was way before our time, isn't it? Obviously, there's no evil in eggs. Obviously, there's probably no evil in that little bunny. Am I right? Many have struggled with that. Well, is it okay for my kids to, to celebrate with eggs? If it's a game, yes. 
But if we're honoring the God of fertility and spring with it, then obviously we've, we've taken a wrong course. My problem is this. When Easter means more to us because of the eggs and the bunny, then we've drifted far from our focus. Because I want Easter to make you bold. I want Easter to be a time where you become courageous in your faith. See, I think it's become a lot of other things, and I don't want that for you. Because we're living in a world that is doomed and damned without a resurrection. We're living in a world that needs an encounter with the divine presence of God. And we had a great time yesterday. The kids had a wonderful time yesterday. The adults had a wonderful time celebrating. And I know it's Easter Sunday and y'all look beautiful. Well, you could at least smile. You look beautiful. You're dressed well. The kids are excited. You say, well, they're crying and they're moving around. Let them be. That lets me know they're alive. Let her laugh. It's all right. I like to hear it. Be nice if I could get an adult to laugh or at least smile. Today's really about life. It's about joy. It's about the fact that we've been redeemed, but I want you bold. I want you courageous. I want you to leave this house going, wait a minute, I'm one of the chosen. I've been brought out of darkness into marvelous light, and I can't be ashamed of who he is. See, many of you didn't know how to respond when Jesus came walking through your presence. You kind of stood as is to play over. What do we do? We don't know how to respond. Should we clap, or should we just stand here or sit here? We don't know how to respond, and I'm afraid that's exactly how we are. Because I believe he wants to walk in this place. He may not walk in a bodily form, but he sent his spirit that it might move and minister and be manifested in this house. And this Sunday morning, you ought to know he's alive. And furthermore, if he's alive and you're alive, there ought to be a connection. The Bible said, nevertheless, not I live, but Christ liveth in me. Reach down and grab your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, look on with your neighbor. Somebody asked me what I preach the gospel this morning. I believe I will. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. You all right? I appreciate the, the drama and the, the music department and their efforts today to, to share in the beautiful message. I appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it. That might be your cue to appreciate it as well. Amen. My question to you this morning is, you, are you going to be Teflon or Velcro? Obviously, there's a difference. Acts chapter 4, you there? Verse number 1, now as they spoke to the people, 
the priest and the captain of the temple of the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed. Why were they disturbed? That they taught the people and preached and Je- preached Jesus the resurrection from the dead. What upsets religious people? Not Easter bunnies and eggs. Religious people did not become upset until the disciples, the apostles of Christ, began to teach people that there was a resurrection. I got news for you. Our culture will accept eggs and Easter bunnies. But there's a day coming where they're going to try to take away what is Easter to us and make it more about the pageantry and the celebration of paganism rather than the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mark my words, you're going to have to defend what you believe in. We're not living in a day where Christian values populate our government system. Now we've got this blending and demanding that we become... uh, so uh, accepting of other things. If you pay any attention to the news at all, you realize that even in the great state of Indiana, when they tried to pass a religious freedom bill, many began to say, well, it was, it was causing people to have the view that, that certain individuals would not be able to come into restaurants and be served. When that was not nearly the intent, but nonetheless, people began to cry out and say that if you pass this bill, we stop doing business with you. If you begin to become discriminatory in, in the way you view gays and lesbians, then what's going to happen is we're going to pull our business away from you. And in fear, they change bills. Why? Because money drives the force. Not standards, not priorities, not values. Can I preach on Easter Sunday? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not coming out of here silent. I'm not going to sit on a stool and medicate you. I am going to thunder it's time for an uprising. I'm going to thunder in your hearing. It's time to stand up and be counted. And I'm going to speak clearly in this house. We need to be bolder than we've ever been. I say, well, if we can just go through the motions today, it would be fine. But I got some of you this morning I need to get a hold of. The Bible says in Acts 4 that they taught the people of the resurrection from the dead. The Bible said they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However, many of those, oh, this is beautiful, many of those who heard, heard what? Heard that there was a resurrection. Many of those who heard that there was a resurrection believed. They heard it and they believed. And the number of the men that came to be about 5,000. How many know when you're getting 5,000 people to turn from the way they were living to following a resurrected Christ, you're beginning to shake the city. Bible says in verse 8, now you've got to understand what happened. Are you understanding what happened? These two leaders who were preaching the gospel of the resurrection of Christ are now incarcerated, put in prison, and arrested. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because the enemy always wants to shut down the voice that's most threatening to his domain. 
Do you think for one moment that the enemy is going to change his agenda, strategy, or plan? What is he most fearful about? Not the talent, not the eloquence, not the ability of the church, but the power of the resurrection. That's what he fears. I don't have the ability to change you. I don't have the ability eloquently to, to convey to you how good it is until you've experienced it yourself. Mm. Verse 8. Verse 8. Then Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed being done to this helpless man, by what means he has been made well? See, they had just been a part of a wonderful healing. And they said, well, listen, if this man's made whole and made well, how did it get done? Look at verse 10. Let it be known to you all. Listen, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, by him this man was made whole. Do you hear their defense? Come on, you gotta, you got to walk with me for just a moment. Don't make this morning about all pageantry. Let's get ready to get some boots on. Huh? I know y'all dressed up and looking cute, but we're going to have to get busy. Because our world needs to know what we believe in. I didn't come here to be vague. I came here to be prophetic. I didn't come here to be blended. I came here to be straightforward. I come to let you know we're living in a world that needs to know that Jesus Christ is not a religious figure to be confused with Muhammad. He's alive, and he's the resurrection and the life, and he is a soon-coming king. Come on, somebody praise him like you believe that to be a true statement in this house. Hallelujah! Lord, help me. I need to read the text. Verse 11. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 13. I love what, or verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 12. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. There is salvation in none other. I know you think Oprah's your savior, but she ain't that good. I know you got confidence in the government of men, but I'm telling you, they can't be a redeemer for you. Somebody going to have to say there is no other salvation. There's no other way. I know you want us to accept this Mosaic Godhead, and you want to have a little Judaism and a little Christianity and a little Islam, but I'm telling you there's only one way and one person that is the way, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So excuse me while I be bold. We're going to live in a nation that's going to force us. We're going to... We're going to live in a nation that is going to force us to determine what we stand for. We live in a nation where our young people are going to be forced to renounce what we celebrate today. We live in a nation, I'm telling you now, we're living in a nation right now that is going to force us 
just like Acts chapter 4. It may not be in my lifetime, but I'm pretty confident it's going to be in this next generation's lifetime. To where our government is going to so legislate and so persecute and so punish those who still hold true to biblical truths because it is not what they want. I've had people say, Pastor, you're, you're, you're way out of line on that. I'm holding on. I'm holding on because I see it. I see handwriting on the walls because the mass majority is running headlong toward plurality. It's not one nation under God. It's one nation under many gods. Choose your God. Choose whichever God you want. Don't make it the God of Jehovah because that one we have a problem with. You notice they don't have any problem when you pray in the name of Muhammad. They don't shut you down for that, but so dare you stand in the front of a government building and say in the name of Jesus Christ, the resurrected King of glory. Then they say to you, no, you can't do that. Best not ask some of these bold folk to come pray. Because we don't know any other name by which to be saved. We don't know any other way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And we can't be silent about it. You may want to persecute. You may want to push us out. But we're going to continue to stand on what we know to be true. All that being said, the Bible said that these two men in Acts chapter 4 were imprisoned, incarcerated, tortured, and beaten. And my question is this, all they ever had to do was renounce who he was. What makes a man be willing to go to prison for preaching? What makes a man willing to stand true and not renounce what he believes in when he's up against the wall? ever wondered what made this man, these men in Acts 4, not back off the pedal? I got a question myself, I guess. Because all they had to do was say, he's not the resurrection. They could have preached any other message and, and, and been okay, but they were preaching something that produced the manifestation of the glory of God. Now the Bible says that they were preaching it with such boldness that those religious leaders incarcerate them and try to silence their voice. Hmm. What made these men so bold? They saw him resurrected. They witnessed him after the cross. They witnessed the cross, but it didn't stop there. What they witnessed was a tomb that was open that when they investigated, he wasn't there. Jesus, you in here? 
always interesting to me that he borrowed a tune. <laughs> Y'all ain't thinking at all. I mean, the audacity. <laughs> I only need it temporarily. I know you got plans for it. That's like having a burial plot. Let me rent your burial plot, not staying long. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> well, if he's not in there, somebody obviously stole the body. But see, the Bible knew that there would be skeptics. God, in his authenticity of wisdom, knew that there would be somebody that claimed somebody stole the body. Somebody removed the body. Somebody's hid the body. So Jesus said, let me just show you. Let me walk down a mess. Let me show up where these men of Acts chapter 4 were when they were gathered together thinking about all that had transpired and there was walls around them and they were in isolation and Jesus walks through the wall. You're like, I can't accept that. Yeah, but what are you going to do with those who saw him? See, when you've seen him, you become bold. When you know he's not a religious figure and he's not just a, a, a part of history, he is. And you've experienced who he is, then you can't be silent when others want you to be silent. See, when I look at Acts chapter 4, I think you can't shut them boys up. You can't imprison them and get them to go quiet. Why? Because they saw him after the crucifixion. And when you can preach that he's the resurrection, and you're not preaching it from history, but you're preaching it from present tense. Okay. Y'all with me? Look, give me just just give me 15 minutes. And and, and don't worry about the kids. They're fine. I ain't, ain't hurting nothing. Let them be. I just, just pinch them once in a while. Let them move. Better yet, kids, pinch your parents. Y'all get, get nervous wrestling. They don't bother me. I'm pretty confident I'm not losing the train of thought here. You're like, I'm wrestling. I'm glad we got kids' church. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. These two apostles in Acts chapter 4 preached that Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected. And they preached it with such boldness. It wasn't because they had a historical view of Jesus. They had a present tense reality of Jesus. You know why we don't have any power in the pulpit? Because we keep preaching it historically. You know why we don't have any power in our song service? It's because we sing like it's historic. You know why there ain't no clap, no shout, no praise that really brings glory to God? It's because we do it with such a historical, not a present tense. Because we live by our senses, and we live by our problems, and we allow them to dictate the joy of our heart, the peace of our heart, the wholeness of our life. We allow our bank account to dictate our prosperity. Because we want to live in this historical, but yet we still allow our present to have such bearing. See, 
when I look at these, these apostles in Acts 4, I think these guys had a historical experience, but it wasn't just historical. It was present tense because they had an encounter with him. And here's where I'm going to tie this together. You all right? They could have gave up proclaiming it and had their freedom. Right? They could have renounced their faith. Don't know Jesus. Peter was pretty good at that. He'd done it once. He said, I ain't doing it again. Y'all didn't hear me. Peter knew how to deny once. It was a part of his DNA. He knew how to renounce and say, I'm not a part of that. But the second time, he said, I ain't going to make that mistake again. I'm going to thunder it. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be bold. Why? Because it's not historical to me. It's present tense. It's a right now word. Well, how many know the world would be a whole lot different if the church lived like it was a right now word? Not a past tense, not historic. I didn't come here to celebrate it historically. I come to tell you the resurrection from 2,000 years ago has impacted my life. It's still impacting my life. It's still changing my life. It is still the key to my wholeness. It's still my hope. Got problems? Yes, but I got hope. Why? Because he's still the resurrection. I never saw him personally but I experienced him personally. See, these two men, these two men in Acts 8 said, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something there, isn't it? Huh? The Bible said Peter being full of the Holy Spirit. Peter being full. Do you think the Bible's just random? I believe it's divinely ordained, orchestrated by God, that every word in there has significance and importance. The key to our ability to remain solid in a world that wants us to compromise is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. This is what's going to get you. See, in Adam's day of Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible says that Adam was created in the likeness and image of God for dominion and authority. Is that right? Now the Bible says that sin entered into earth through Adam and Eve and their transgressions and sin in the garden. The very beginning of origin for Adam and Eve began when God breathed into them. Their soul became a living being when God breathed into them. Now, from Genesis 2 all the way up to the crucifixion, humanity had struggled with a sin issue. I know you don't want to talk about sin because it's Easter Sunday and nobody talks about sin on Easter Sunday. But sin is the reason he was crucified. Uh, my transgressions, my failures, my mistakes, and my behavior was the reason for the cross. He died. Ephesians 2 says he died because of me and my transgressions. But I'm saved by grace. See, here's the wonderful thing about it. In Genesis 2, the breath, the divinity, the power of God was canceled by sin. Jesus is crucified. He's put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, boom, he walks out. The Bible says he shows himself. Many witnesses record that he is seen and visual. And then he comes to the place, he said, before you do anything else, before you proclaim that I am the resurrection and the life, before you proclaim it all, you've got to go to an upper room. That's why verse 8 is so important to me, because it said Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Not eloquence, not talent, not ability, not skill, not religion, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what the key is to our boldness? 
is getting a new breath. Church needs a new breath. See, when they went into the upper room in Acts chapter 2, the Bible said they went into the upper room, the Holy Spirit came. Who was in the upper room? Peter and these apostles that we're reading about in Acts 4. And the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon them. What happened in the upper room? Exactly what happened in Genesis 1 and 2. The passion, the life through the Holy Spirit was deposited back into their life again. Why is that so important? Because if I don't have the breath of the Holy Spirit in my life being breathed upon me daily and consistently and hourly, I have a tendency to want to renounce what I believe in. If I don't have that breath coming that empowers me and the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit, I have a tendency when people want to ridicule and criticize and find problems with my life and my faith, I want to renounce it. I want to quit. I want to wave the white flag. I don't even know if I believe in the cross. I'm not sure I believe in, in the resurrection. I just begin to wonder. Why is that? Because there's not a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit coming into your life reminding you that He is who He said He is. And I've commissioned you and mandated you to be my witness. See, the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life is all about us being His witnesses. Witness of what? Okay, y'all just looking at me like, what in the world? Acts 1 and 8, He said, you shall be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Another religious ceremony? The silliness of the pageantry of another ceremony without the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall be my witnesses, which means I'm a witness that he was crucified for the sins of humanity. And that he was not just crucified, but he was resurrected on that third day. And I know it's hard for our culture to believe in the cross and the crucifixion and the resurrection. I know it's hard for them to wrap their educated intellectual minds, come on, work with me, around the fact that there was a man who came from heaven, who was the Son of God, who bled, who died, who laid down his life and picked it up three days later. And I know church is non-relevant to them, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to them, and it seems like foolishness to them, but I was once a drug addict, and now I'm free. I was once an alcoholic, but now I'm free. I once was bound, but now I'm free. I was once constrained, but now I'm free. Why? Because there's breath in the Holy Ghost that keeps the witness alive. You can argue with the cross. You can argue and say you don't believe in it. You can tell me that it doesn't make intellectual sense for there to be a resurrection. But how do you deal with the miracle that I am? Because, see, people want you to stay down because you were like them. But, see, he brought you out to be a witness. He breathed life into you, not just temporal. Why not be bold? Why not be bold? 
what would they think of me? Jesus said, I don't care. You think Peter cared? Peter done made that mistake once. Peter done made that mistake. This time in Acts 4, he's going, I'm not doing that again. You crucified him. He got out of the grave. You deal with that. Come on. The man is healed. You read the whole chapter. The man is healed and made whole. And Peter goes, how do you think we did that? Can I put it my way? Peter going, deal with it. He did it. How did he get made whole? In fact, the Sadducees, the religious leaders in Acts 4, go back together and start reasoning. And they're like, we got a problem. Because we know this guy was sick. He had malady and infirmity. He was a sick, and now he's well, he's whole, he's healed. Who did it? Must be that one they're preaching that was crucified and resurrected. We didn't see him resurrected, but we still see the manifestation of it because there's somebody that's got the boldness and the courageousness enough to keep it alive. Ah, you didn't hear me. Who's going to keep the story alive? You're going to let Easter bunnies and eggs steal the story? You're all like, Pastor, you're too passionate about it. Guilty. Lost your mind, man. What are you talking about? You done way out on a tangent. Guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of believing it. I'm guilty for caring about it. I'm guilty for wanting to defend what changed my soul. Guilty as charged. See, I know what guilty is. I know what guilty is. I was guilty before there was a twinkle in my eye. I was guilty when my mom and daddy conceived me because I was born in iniquity and sin. I know what guilt is. I've been shackled with guilt. I've been tormented with guilt. I felt guilt because of my behavior. Oh, there ain't nobody in this building. I felt guilt. I can relate to guilt. I've been to church and feel guilty. (laughs) I've been to Easter Sunday mornings. You know, it's the only time I got to go. I feel guilt. Because they want me to believe in a Jesus. I can't wrap my head around. Well, you're rubbing shoulders with some people in here. They're so bold, they don't care if you're uncomfortable. Oh, let me. Uh, see, there's some people in here that know what it's like to be guilty and set free. There's some people in here, you had jacked up, wadded up lives. Your life was on a flat line. I know you won't talk about it because you all dressed up this morning. Dear God, what? Will I brought my family with me. What would they think if they really knew? You know. You know how you tried to do it. See, there's some of us in here. I I say there's a a majority of us in here that is not the minority. There's a majority that's not the minority. See, when you got a majority that's not the minority, you can't be quiet. Now, here's a beautiful thing about the two apostles in Acts 4. They were the minority that lived like they were the majority. I thought I heard somebody say amen, but I ain't sure. Everybody else was against them. You got two men that go, nope, this is it. This man was made whole. He was healed. He was made whole because Jesus Christ was crucified not only for sin but for healing. 
and he was resurrection, uh, resurrected. So we're going to demonstrate all that he is. And so all we did was speak to him life through Jesus Christ, and all that was wrong with him is made whole. Deal with it. See, the only way the world knows how to deal with a message they can't stop is to make us think we're the minority and the world is the major majority. See, I live in a culture, and you live in a culture that wants us to think we are the minority. Anything about racial, that's just about, about how it is. They want us to think that we are the minority, that the mass majority of people do not even believe in a crucifixion or resurrection. So I got news for you. The minority has a message. <laughs> I said the minority has a message that makes you so bold because you've got new breath in your life that you'll speak when you would rather be quiet. You'll cry when you thought you needed to be stoic. And you will find the power and the passion and the penetrating presence of the king of glory takes over your life and you'll represent him when everybody else wants to run from him. Is there anybody in the building that's guilty as charged? Stand with me in this room if you can. Stand with me in this room if you can. My word, my word, my word. I got a choice every day of my life. Do you? I can make decisions every day of my life. I can live like this is nothing more than a historical event. And here's the tragedy of this moment. Listen to me closely. Here's the tragedy of this moment. There will be people that leave this room today viewing this totally historically. And until it becomes a part of your present, it is a story that doesn't impact your life. You know what I've determined? This is not a new word for me, but this is something that I've been dealing with. Educated people have a difficult time believing in the supernatural. For some reason, degrees have forced them into reasoning. And I understand that to some extent. And I understand that someone who comes as my as I have and, and declares and, and tries to, to share with you a cross and a resurrection. It's difficult to move it from historic to presentation. But see, some of us heard it and 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 heard it. Because we've been to every Easter Sunday since our birth. We've been to every Easter Sunday. We've been there, boy, mama fixed us up right. Huh? Made you get all dressed up, said you coming to church today, drug you. You wiggling, kicking and screaming. You've been in Easter Sunday church every Sunday since you were born. Every Sunday it's the same. Year after year after year after year. It's always historical. It's always about 2,000 years ago. It's always about, oh, they're going to do a cute little story, and Jesus is going to come out, and he's going to be resurrected. Oh, praise the Lord. Wasn't that sweet? Now, now we're more technologically uh, advanced. We can swing angels. We 
make Jesus. I mean, he'll fly through the auditoriums in some sanctuaries in America today. Excuse me while I'm not impressed with your historical without a present tense. I don't diminish the fact that we can paint a picture for you as our drama has so well today. But if all they did was a drama and memorize lines and they're not bold enough, my God, what's the shame in this being bold enough to come up here in front of a couple hundred people and, and memorize a line and still not be bold enough when you leave the building to represent he's the resurrection and the life. We hope you enjoyed the message today. Please visit www.fivestoneschurch.info for more messages and media resources.